As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. VAR hitting the headlines, City coming from behind at half-time to win in the Premier League for only the second time since 1995 and a performance that suggested Guardiola and his men should have been leaving the Emirates with swag written all over their cases. But still nice to kick off the new year with a quiet one sometimes, isn't it? By the way, if you've come here looking for the discussion on whether the VAR incidents were right or wrong, then you've come to the wrong place. We can clear all that up inside the first minute or so of this week's Wireweasels. Edison played the ball so it wasn't a foul and therefore the referee wasn't recommended to change his decision. Meanwhile, Xhaka pulled Bernardo's shirt, which was probably the bit that Stuart Atwell originally missed. That's also probably the reason why he was recommended to review his decision on that one. Nothing controversial about it, two decisions that could have gone another way on another day. And if they had, I'd still be dead against talking about them on today's show because there's far more interesting stuff up for discussion. This is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney, with me is Sam Lee. Hiya Sam. Hello, and hello everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Good, a good, good quiet one to, to kick us off for the New Year, isn't it? <laughs> it was absolutely incredible, wasn't it? I mean, incredible in terms of, you know, unbelievable, mad. Um, I, I, I couldn't really make sense of it. I remember after the game, because I, I couldn't go because of the old COVID, I was in the kitchen and I was like, I just need to do something else, like make lunch, just so I can kind of get my head around all that. Because it was just wild, really. And just maybe, maybe it was so kind of difficult to comprehend is because it just wasn't a normal City game at all, yeah, was it? Like normally, not. if City play like that, they're just going to lose, and you know they're going to lose. Um, they're certainly not going to win it right at the end. Yeah, yeah. So it was like that was the latest goal in four years since Gabriel Jesus won. Well, three and a half years ago. Wow, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize it was. Yeah, yeah. Because we've talked. I mean, we talked in the past, haven't we, about the number of times where City play and play and play and don't score. And this, I mean, this didn't even fit that pattern. It didn't even fit the pattern of no. City having all the ball, knocking it round, but just never looking like scoring. This looked like one of those games where City just do not respond to adversity at all. And yet. I mean, I, 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 we'll, we'll get into it all in a minute. I know, but um, it was it, it. It felt like for the first time in a long time that City had actually pulled off a smash and grab. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like City, either. Well, I mean, I'm trying to think. How could you characterize City games? Most of them, they deserve to win, and they do win. Um, some of them, they're terrible and just don't deserve to win. Some of them, they're terrible, but they won the XG, maybe. Um, which is obviously shorthand for saying they created good chances, but they didn't actually play that well. Yeah. Um, I mean, yesterday they 
to to go back to that theme of winning the XG, they did win the XG, didn't they? But like half of, half of it, more than half of it, would have been the penalty. And I guess the fact that Rodri's goal was from so close in, so that kind of shows the drawback with that. Because I think anybody would, anybody with, with eyes who saw the game would say that Arsenal dominated that, um, and they were the better team for the most part. And then obviously it was what two minutes, if that. Um, well, if you add in all the VAR delays, probably a bit more. But two minutes of play that completely changed things. Yeah. And that, that's why it was it was unusual um, for City, I think, just because it was one of those crazy games, really. Guardiola actually summed it up quite well. He says, we can talk about tactics and decisions of managers and players and things like that. I'm paraphrasing a bit, but that's what he was saying. He, he couldn't quite get the words out, but he got there roundabout in the end. And he said, but sometimes it's just football. You know, it's, it's unpredictable. And that was exactly the case. Like, yeah. to put it another way, if City had played like that and lost... You know, you'd you'd be you'd be really annoyed. Yeah. Um, but then I suppose there'd be a bit of there'd be enough self awareness to say, why did our player give away that stupid penalty? Why did our player get stupidly sent <laughs> off? But that's it. That does seem to have been lost from from the debate, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, we'll get into all that for uh, for this week's show. Uh, if you sign up to the Athletic right now, you can read all of Sam's stuff on City. Uh, Sam, I've I've noticed that uh, there's a little piece that's gone up today. Um, Almost trying to trying to swim against the narrative uh, of uh, COVID and, and injuries and uh, like City not being affected over Christmas. I know. Well, the thing is, I think people are automatically hardwired to expect a hot take. So, like I say, if I'm swimming against the tide, then people are probably going, "Oh, he's saying City have had it really hard." So I was really at pains to point out. I'm not saying City have had it really hard, but I am pointing out that they've not had it really easy. And they've not benefited from it. There's a good like line in suggested. there. Yeah, there's a good line in there about uh, nobody getting the violins out, and that's kind of the case. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying, oh, oh no, the city have really struggled. You know, they've missed 15 players and whatever, but they have struggled with it more than what people say. And because the way that you know all the VAR talk yesterday was like proper hysterical on on the BT commentary, it was just like this is all kind of feeds into the the same thing. There's this idea that you know. City are kind of impenetrable or maybe dodgy and they've bought off COVID doctors and they've bought off VAR officials, etc. It's like this, it's just not as, the situation isn't as mad as you may think, it, well, as some people may think it's been, non-City fans generally. Yeah. And it's also not as mad as it's been portrayed in the kind of, you know, with social media having a life of its own. So it was just, it, that's literally it. It's just a case of, they've had they've had it worse than it has been let on that's yeah. all it is but obviously I, you know people don't like hardwired to expect a hot take and people are hardwired as well a lot of people as we've seen in the comments already and it's half past eight on sunday morning <laughs> a lot of, a lot of people are just oh 200 million on the bench okay like i know i mean i know this everyone knows this this is why i don't need to mention it again because it's already been mentioned for the last two weeks yeah but i'm mentioning yeah. the stuff that nobody's talked about which is also relevant there like, is a- I, I know i know City got 200 million on the bench although like one of one of that is just purely because they're signed Grealish. Yeah, I'm not I, even I, sure I, I that's add up on the rest, but anyway. I, I do think football fans have a have a strange relationship with Occam's razor. You know, the principle that, you know, the the, the, the most logical explanation is probably the true one. And uh, I, I do think well, that I this, think the, do. Yeah, the, this whole this whole week has been a real eye-opener into that. Uh, but if you want to read that, you can uh, sign up to The Athletic right now. You get 33% off the price of a full subscription if you go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City pod. Um, another bit of housekeeping before we start, Sam. Uh, we promised a discussion with Man City 
tactics for between uh, Christmas and New Year, but we didn't deliver. So I just yeah. want to uh, do a quick apology on that um, because uh, well, we it was uh, yeah, yeah we will do it. It was just impossible to get everybody together uh, for that week mm. between Christmas and New Year. So uh, that is coming up soon, um, but uh, it, uh, it just wasn't uh, for the week between Christmas and New Year. So we can promise that it's coming up, but uh, but uh, it'll be next couple of weeks or so. Um, so let's talk about Arsenal. Um, I, I, the first thing I want to kind of look into in terms of the performance, Sam, uh, and it struck me about maybe 10, 15 minutes into the game, um, Arsenal's pressing was a bit tasty, wasn't it? And it was it was almost yeah. to the point where City, City, I mean, City could not cope with it at, at times. Well, at times, basically until the red card, more or less. Um, yeah, so for the first like, 10, 15 minutes... It was one of those where, you know, Arsenal were pressing City right down into their corner. And, you know, Diaz, Diaz's ability on the ball was really put under pressure. Like, they all were. But, obviously, Diaz is good on the ball, but he's not quite at the level as Stones and Laporte. But, like, within, like, 10 minutes, he'd already been pressed right down in the corner a couple of times. And he, like, he did well. But it was, like, really, like, okay, this is going to be a battle. But for the first 10 or 15 minutes, I thought, okay, well, this is like Arsenal normally do. And they make it difficult for you to play through them. But once you get through that first line, there's normally a load of space. And there was that one where it was only a couple of minutes in, but De Bruyne was kind of on the left and he played that through ball towards Sterling. But it kind of got stuck. It got held up a bit and, you know, it went out for a corner. But I was like, that's that's the thing that's going to happen. Like City will get those chances. And I think they'll be all right. Because the game at the Etihad earlier in the season, Arsenal actually did make it for a bit. It was difficult for City to play out. But there was always a load of space in the middle. I remember tweeting about it. I was like, there's loads of space there. And then when they did eventually score, City got into that space and got off the pitch. And then do you remember that game? It was actually in 2019-20, in December at at the Emirates, where De Bruyne got two in the first half and an assist, or what should have been an assist. They took it off him. Um, And he nearly had a hat-trick, and he was just brilliant, basically. But it was the same then. Arsenal made it really difficult for City to play out. But there was loads of space to play into. So ultimately, once they'd cracked it, that was that was as far as the game went. So I yeah. thought it was going to go like that. But then it got to about 20, 25, 30 minutes in. I was like, bloody hell. They're not getting out. So Arsenal kind of pressed up with kind of four, I guess. But the main thing was like Party and Jacker were like really tenacious behind it. So if City did get the ball in and you know, they use Bernardo Silva a lot, don't they, to drop in kind of as a double pivot. And then he'll just do that thing where you think he's going to lose the ball, but he dribbles past four blokes. And like, there's a there's a mass of bodies and he emerges from it. And that's like really important to what City do. But yes, like, even he was getting tackled. Like as soon as he went to turn, he was getting tackled. And that was obviously something that Arteta's like, okay, well, this is what they do. And I suppose, look, any Premier League manager can spot that. I suppose it depends on how you come up with the plans to stop it or even if you just try and stop it another way by sitting back. But obviously Arsenal took the proactive approach. Yeah. And I think they actually stopped City playing better than any team that's taken points off City. So including Palace and Southampton and and certainly Liverpool. It you, was... Because you know, uh, obviously yeah. City, I think City deserved to win that game with Anfield. I know they had chances, but I, in terms of the play, City dominated that game for large parts of Anfield. And Liverpool couldn't stop City playing like Arsenal did. Um, and that's just how it went for the whole game until the red card. Yeah, I, it kind of it was kind of a flashback to when Mancini's team used to go to Arsenal, and when um, to to a lesser extent, but but still Pellegrini's team went to Anfield. 
And there was there were so many times where they'd get the ball at the back and they'd have three or four players and they only they they they'd have a pass on, but it would only be one pass and it would be under pressure and they'd have to ping it at the, whoever it was and then they'd yeah, be under pressure and that, like you get to the point where it was like oh well they're obviously going to give away possession because you can't it's unsustainable to keep passing the ball under this amount of pressure and and, and finding your man and get them to you know control it mm. and go where it, where you want it to go. Um, and I mean, I, I said at the start of the of the show, it felt like City stole the points in this game. Um, and like I say, it's been a it's been a while that, that that we say City have won a game when they probably didn't deserve to. Um, so what was the change? Did City turn it around themselves? Was it a, was it the Arsenal implosion yeah. with the red card and penalty, or was it a little bit of column A and column B? Well, I don't know if it, I don't know if it was a bit of both. I mean, look, I may I may be wrong. I had a look back last night because I, I knew you were going to ask me this, so I had a look back just to try and spot any changes, and I couldn't. So. The conclusion to draw from that is there were changes and I didn't spot them or nothing really changed. Or else so I'm going to go down the line yeah. of, yeah, I'm going to go down the line of nothing really changed. So like I said, as as it went through the first half and obviously got to half time and City were losing, I was like, okay, well, obviously Arsenal done really well here, but you would imagine Guardiola will come up with something, like a, a different way to to change the build-up options, um, you know, to find a free man somewhere. Um, but I mean, I, I don't think that was the case, you know, or even if they did, if even if they did change different things, nothing actually changed in terms of the pattern of the game. So I looked and in the first half, it was basically Diaz um, on the right in when he had the ball, Laporte in the middle and Ake on the left. And they, can't, they had to get wide. And in the first 10 minutes, Guardiola was really telling them to get really wide. And I think he was also shouting at Edison as well, because obviously there were times you may have spotted, I know you did, when... Edison kind of joined and made it a back four, didn't he? To yeah. kind of make more angles into midfield, I'm guessing. Um, more more passing routes. Um, the one, you know, one in, that, in that, that struck midfield. me, it was it was midway through the first half and Laporte, because he wasn't on the television, it was Laporte, uh, in, uh, as far as I could tell, was the deepest defender. Um, and Edison was out of shot. And Laporte just kind of wanged it to the right corner of the box. Um, and I thought, that's yeah. like, if, if that's for the fullback, then it's miles away. And what and um, Cancelo's nowhere near it. Um, and then suddenly Edison pops up and he's in. He's basically in the right centre-back position. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, did Laporte just know that? Because he didn't, he didn't, it was like he didn't look. Um, did Laporte just know to, to knock it to the right, yeah. right centre-back position and Edison would be you know 20 yards out of position? Or, or is this something they've been working on? And City being City, it's obviously something they've been working on. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, so that's that's kind of what they, they did. And they had you know, De Bruyne and De Bruyne kind of dropping in on the left and wide. Bernardo kind of dropping in around um, Rodri to offer those passing angles. But like I say, with Arsenal's kind of tenacity in midfield, and then also like with fullbacks pressing up as well, and when De Bruyne got it and getting in into them, there wasn't really any free man. You know, City could switch the play, but even when they switched the play, there was only a couple of times when you know Mares was able to actually get the ball down with his great first touch. You know, sometimes it's, it went out of play, and that'll be because of the pressure you talked about, and it will also be because of the fatigue. And again, this is all my article was trying to say. That you know, there are very human reasons why those players would have been tired and why it's not been ideal. And like, I'm not saying they deserve the Victoria Cross. Google that if you're not in the UK <laughs> um, for, for for getting through the match. But like, if if they'd have lost, it would have been easy to sit and say, "Oh well, they've had COVID cases and they're tired." And oh yeah, we can actually see because they've won. People are just like, oh yeah, well, 
they're like they're obviously just not bothered, and they've got VAR on their side as well. So so yeah, but I mean, as far as what I could tell in terms of those tactical changes, nothing really changed. Or at least if it did, there was no dramatic change in the flow of the game. You know, City yeah. still had the odd time where they got forward. But it was only when they when Arsenal went down to 10 men that things changed because Arsenal just couldn't press in the same way. And often, as you know, as the game went on and on, Jacker just went back into and made it a back five often. So if you're not pressing with the same amount of men high up the pitch, then you know, City have obviously got more space. And yeah. as soon as there was a red card, there was one of those City moves where like Laporte played that progressive pass like vertically up the pitch into maybe Gundogan's feet by then he popped out wide they played it around a bit they crossed it to Mahrez he got to the back post and pulled it back and that was within about a minute two minutes max of the red card and it's like oh we'll sit you back now yeah and it was Um, yeah the the biggest thing in the game was was purely the red card was it was the game in that case because the other the other thing I know a lot of City fans have been very very frustrated by this week is uh, the narrative that has, has kind of developed that nobody could ever possibly want to compete with City because of of City's unlimited resources and you know the 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 bonuses and the the uh, helping hands that they've been getting here there and you know nobody ever nobody ever tries against City because there's no point all this sort of nonsense. That, yeah. uh, that that sprung up simply because City won a few games when Chelsea and Liverpool didn't. Um, is this Arsenal game? Even though Arsenal lost, the fact that Arsenal lost because of their own stupidity and the fact that they gave away a, a silly penalty and then stupidly had a man sent off and handed City the initiative in that sense, this game is almost the perfect counter-argument to that, is it? Um, Arsenal proved you can compete I mean, it with is. City. Yeah, it, yeah. That that is true, um, but I'm, it's one of those where, like, if I was trying to make, or if somebody was trying to make the case unfairly against City and basing it off one game, I would say, well, hold on a minute. Yeah. You know, like, let's say for argument's sake, somebody came from it from the other angle, and they did actually say, let's say a City fan put in the Q and A, oh, well, this shows why City aren't going to win the Champions League because as soon as a team gets in their face, you know, they, they struggle. It falls apart, and I'll be like, yeah. well, and I'll be like, well. Teams got yeah. in their faces a lot this season and they're still top by quite a way. So I wouldn't want to base it on one game. Um, so yeah, Arsenal playing that way does show the teams can challenge City. But look, like they, like I said, they've they've dropped points already this season. Um, it's not a completely closed shop. It's gone. So some of the things you mentioned were more ridiculous than other things. So that stuff about... Right, before I go into this, do you remember when... I think City were playing Everton in the Premier League in like March and it was obvious that they were going to win the league by that point. And I was like, look, just don't worry about what other people are saying. And I know this is like, like who am I to give advice? But this is this was my view on it and this is kind of what I try, I try and tell myself. And I, remember, I think I remember said, look, it's just, in in a lot of cases, it's just some dickhead on the internet. Like it's not, this isn't like an established opinion. This isn't what people over the all over the world are thinking. It's just like, it's one or two dickheads, and that's. Ba- I, th- I think there has been a lot of that in the last couple of weeks, where it has just been just one or two. Like it's just a Liverpool fan. So well, like their opinion is worth no more than than anybody else's. Like, but it gets amplified within City Twitter, and then it kind of becomes a thing. And I, but like, I do appreciate with this one. Like that, that you know, has kind of spilled over into the media, hasn't it? Where there has been a bit of that chat, and you know, there was that Bleacher Report post the other day when it was like Chelsea with COVID and injuries and blah blah blah. They've dropped however many points, and Liverpool with COVID and injuries. It's not like, meanwhile, Man City ten wins in a row, and it's like, well, 
they've had COVID injuries as well. Yeah, but like I get it. Like, but like I know. So all these people in my comments saying, "Oh, City got a strong." I know they got a fucking strong squad. Like I know, like they've got a really strong squad. I'm, it's not a big squad, but it's a strong squad. The way Guardiola manages it means that for what, even if the players don't necessarily like him, they can go on the pitch. And you can you can change one player for another, and generally there's not going to be a massive drop off, and that's been the case at City for throughout Guardiola's time, or certainly since the Centurion season. So, I mean, I, I get I get the argument that City are stronger than everyone else, but like that's, I mean, it comes down to people not liking why they're stronger than everyone else and where the money's come from, because, I mean, you can't complain that a team is stronger than everyone else because that's the whole point of a title race. You have a Premier League season to establish who the best team is. And now everyone's reminded. I think, I, I don't know, part of it is probably because there will be people out there, I'm not saying it's everyone, but there will be people, and this, these are the people we've seen amplified on, on Twitter through like just interactions where they should just really be left alone. And, you know, I'll try and tell myself that as well. But there'll be people who obviously don't want City to, to win the league. But I think there's probably a lot of innocence in it as well in the sense of teams, people probably wanted a three-way title race and probably thought, it felt like this one is going had to be been a great title race. Yeah, yeah. It's going to go right, to, and even like up until like what two weeks ago, three weeks ago, it probably wasn't even three weeks ago because three weeks ago was a long time. A lot of games have been played since then. But it looked like okay, well maybe Chelsea will be a few points back, but it looks like City and Liverpool are going to go all the way. And now, obviously, that doesn't look like it's going to happen. But I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is obvious that City are going to win the league. And to be fair, yesterday when they won, I was like, okay, yeah, that, that's one of those. But when there was all this chat last week that oh, the leagues, the league's done now, I was just like. What? Like, like obviously, like obje- objectively, as a fact, like it obviously is not. Like maybe that's because you know I came back from Canada thinking in in October thinking, oh, see, they could drop points, and they haven't, have they? They've won every game. <laughs> they haven't. Yeah, you're right. Like, I was thinking, you know, the home game is going to be difficult. They could drop points against Everton. They could drop points against West Ham, and they haven't. They've won every game. So maybe they're stronger than even I think. And maybe I'm expecting them to, you know, drop points. And they're just not going to. Maybe that is the case. But I, I couldn't believe the stuff about it being over. And like Guardiola was like, there's 54 like there's fifty four points to play for. Like, of course it's not. And like that, as far as I'm concerned, that's, that is genuinely the case. So all the stuff about, oh, it's it's over already. And then a lot of people saying, oh, it's unfair. Like, yeah, I think it goes back to the fact that, you know, obviously some people don't like City. And I'm, I'm not saying that's the, the, the big media agenda, but it's obvious if you look at these Twitter accounts. They're just fans. Of course, they don't like City. You know, yeah. if you're listening to this, you probably don't like Liverpool. If you're going to tweet something about how how they get a last minute win, it's probably not going to be because they train and they've got the intensity and they're really good. It's probably because they're and lucky they put bastards. It, yeah. and they put that's how football the fans yeah, think. Yeah. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
The other part of all this is um, the idea that nobody can compete because City get near 100 points every year. Um, and I, uh, first off, that's not true because last season they didn't. They, they won the league with 86, was it? Which is a relatively normal title winning points haul for the Premier League era. Um, and then the second thing is that even though they do get towards 100 points and they have done you know, a few times, Liverpool have done a few times, I genuinely, I don't see that carrying on once Guardiola's left. I think Guardiola is a massive yeah. part of that. And like Mancini had these resources and Pellegrini had these resources and they didn't manage yeah. to get near near to what Guardiola's achieved at City. Maybe, maybe yeah. the, again, the Occam's razor thing is that Guardiola is just a genius. <laughs> yeah, he is. And that, I, I wrote the same thing. It was, again, it was one of those... It was one of those articles where I make a kind of point that falls somewhere in the middle and a lot of people are just like, what the fuck are you talking about? And maybe there's a reason for that. But with this one that I wrote after the Arsenal game, it was purely, you know, City haven't had it terribly. I'm not saying that, but also don't go mad. And so the day of when City played United in March, so how many wins have they had at that point? 24 in a row? So it was the same conversation. It was the same conversation. It was they're going to make it like the Bundesliga. They're going to dominate like United did. Although nobody says they're going to dominate like United did. Like it's a bad thing today. But anyway, I, <laughs> I was like, I made the point. I was like, they are really good. Like I, I sit here every week and say they're really good. But to, to go the other way or go too far and say it's bad for the league. They're going to do this for like 10 years, 15 years or whatever. I was like, well, just look, they've always out, they've always outspent teams. They've always had. You know, if you were to look at the biggest spend, particularly like 10 years ago, or even like maybe five, six, seven years ago, they would have always spent more than most of the teams. They would have always had a massive wage bill. And then maybe they win the league in a very close race in both of the ones before Pep. But then next season, they'd fall away. What changed? And now yeah. somebody might just say, well, if you, somebody might say, and maybe it's justifiable, but maybe it's just absolute bollocks. If you keep spending the money, then you're obviously going to be put in that position. And you are, that's true. If you keep spending the money well, which is another huge part of it, you need to spend it well. You are going to be in that position, like City were already. But for me, the differentiating factor is Guardiola. And I, I, I don't think anybody can live up to that. I think City are well run enough to not have a complete disaster when he goes. But I think that consistency is going to be gone because I just think it's something that, that he brings. Um, I mean, look, if they bring in somebody else and they start blitzing it as well, it we can we can possibly undermine the yeah, argument, yeah. but also that the replacement might be a genius as well. Like, it, but it's one of those where because it's like what I said about the game against Arsenal. If City had a lost, it would have been easy to go, "Oh yeah, they have had problems. They are a bit tired." Because they won, it's like that. Nah, forget that. And it's the same. If the next guy comes in and he is a genius, and he keeps winning, then people will just be like, "What? Well, this is it. The like the better City are, the easier they make it look." Yeah. And the easier everybody thinks it is just to spend a load of money and say, well, that's it. And look, I know that there like, pro- probably are good arguments about the sustainability of football and teams at the top dominating and look at these countries and these countries. And But I really do think the difference is Guardiola. And also, there's been so much, you know, when he came, it, there was so many people going, oh, well, I'm not really sure his football's going to work. And in terms of, you know, not dickheads on the internet, fans going, oh, he'll, he'll be leaving after a couple of years, he'll be burnt out, the pressure will get to him. Like, obviously, Colin Moore, with that famous, if he thinks teams like Palace and Leicester and Watford are going to let him <laughs> have 90% of the ball and pass pretty patterns around them, he's got another thing coming and he'll go back to Spain with his tail between his legs. It's like, that's literally what happened. Like, yeah. that is literally what's happened. It's happened well, every season, even when they don't win the league. But now, 
obviously Collymore's argument just keeps changing to well unless he wins the Champions League then he's a fraud and then if he does win it it's going to be well he spent loads of money this is the thing like it's so yeah. hard to take these points seriously because they're just not genuine whatsoever yeah what what is tackles that's still that that quote still lives rent free in my head I can't that was amazing. I mean talk, talking <laughs> about swimming against the tide that was the balls on him to say that uh, I, lo- I, I, I still I still I genuinely still think about that every couple of months I just I can't I can't help it well, I, I mean all right so that that game oh my god we, we've there's three games recently we've not even talked about because we've not done a podcast and now we've we've ended up talking about all this mad stuff but that game at Leicester I was sat next to the reporter from Sky and like somebody had said somebody had said to him Oh, they've not made a tackle in whatever it was, like forty-five minutes or whatever, and like he couldn't believe it. Like, oh, this, you know, this is this is why they've been so bad. And look, for, oh, maybe, or maybe it was. But then, so when he asked Guardiola after the game, it was a proper kind of. He's only been here a few months. We don't understand what Guardiola does and thinks, and we're still thinking in our English football mentality. Although, I mean, I wasn't asked by it. I just thought, well, what, what is that stat? Just make any difference but when he mentioned it to Guardiola Guardiola you know it's like when when even I try and say to him in my long convoluted oh what yeah. about the fullback doing this L- listen and Pep, he's I'm not like, taking yeah, the piss a, yeah yeah but not even just to, yeah yeah true yeah in fact yeah there is that element to it as well I'm not taking the piss but like what about the strike or even just when I'm like what are you doing with the striker this season he's dropping off and flops nine blah 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 and he's just like look look Sam there's a million different things you've not even thought about because you don't understand it basically is what he's saying and fine but like, imagine hitting him straight away with a your team didn't make a tackles. Is that why you lost? Like his head must have exploded. <laughs> and but like those interviews around that time really coloured. I think how people see him because that I'm so happy, more happy than you would believe. Was what like five years ago now? Yeah. But yeah. but that, that, that is was like also the default thing. You just think of Guardiola, isn't it? Yeah, you've just reminded me actually because that was New Year's Day. Because that was I am so happy, yeah, uh, happier than you can yeah. believe. Happy New Year! And then this yeah. th- this year was the uh, Happy New Year, everyone. Lean in back. I, f- I forgot to wish it, so I'm going to lean into the camera. This is about New yeah, Year's. Yeah, you could put those. You could put those side by side, couldn't you? Because of like a how what what is the, what is that meme template like? How it's how it was, how, how it was, was going, how it's going how it's yeah. Going. Like that—that's that is perfect, isn't it? Like his his kind of smiling face, leaning back in. I'm trying to think who that reminds me of. Like it was such great kind of physical comedy. It was. Um, it, it was. I promise you, uh, nobody listening to this will think of it this way. But it was Bender from Futurama. They, they used to have a Futurama. This, this is okay. a this is a tangent. Uh, Futurama used to have a thing okay. where they had a joke that they would call the lean in, and it was always Bender. So he'd be out of shot. Uh, then he'd make a joke and like a, a little um, kind of aside, three, four words or whatever, but he'd lean into shot, say it and lean out again. And it was exactly that play by play. Well, that sounds perfect. I mean, I'm sure loads of people will get that as well, but it's, yeah, I didn't watch enough of Futurama to see that, but <laughs> it was it was very funny. And obviously, because I was at home, I was just like, right, I'm recording that straight away and putting it on Twitter because I want people to see how funny that was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, we've got, we've talked about a load of mad stuff. I mean, we d- we definitely did need to address all all the mad stuff over the last week about it being non competitive. And look, I get the argument; like City are better than everyone else. But like Chelsea's, like, this was. I'm not necessarily saying it was coming because, from City's point of view, I expected them to drop more points, and not necessarily over Christmas. But like I say, in the autumn time, when they'd come back from games against you know Palace and that, and they weren't scoring as many goals as they they were creating, I did think they're going to drop points or it would be easy for them to but I did expect them to win every away game do you remember that I said I, they wouldn't be yeah. surprised they win every away game but drop points at the Etihad and look maybe maybe that still kind of reflects in the rest of the season but if you look at Chelsea they were getting loads of praise ha 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 their fullbacks are scoring loads of goals so that is not sustainable that uh, unless 
in fairness, unless Lukaku comes back and bangs in loads of goals and picks up the baton, that's not a sustainable way to win matches. And you can kind of, you can keep them tight, but it's not, it's not always going to be enough because when you do get into Christmas, even with that, let's take COVID out of it. If you get into Christmas and you got fatigue and stuff and whatever, and you got tight games, there's going to be upsets. And I, like Liverpool, Liverpool are still really good, but and I remember because my my kind of take on them was wrong. I think so. I remember did a podcast, a different podcast, and I was asked about Liverpool leaking goals. I think it was when Brighton drew two all with them the same day as City lost at Palace. Yeah, um, and they were like, oh, Liverpool are a bit leaky, aren't they? And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, okay, and I got their fixtures up as I was talking. I was like. I was like, oh, yeah, they conceded three against like Atletico Madrid or whatever it was, AC Milan. I, I don't know, um, and like, three against Brentford. But I was like, look at all these games: like five nil, four nil, six nil. That was when they were blitzing teams. I was like, was like, I mean, maybe, but I think you know they're, they're they're absolutely fine, Liverpool, and they just got kind of caught out by a really good team in Brighton, like City did in in Palace. Who um, like play play on the front foot and make it difficult for you to play out and they don't they don't give up um but i mean i mean i think i might have mentioned this again a couple of weeks later liverpool then did they did look a bit open didn't they when they lost to west ham and that you know those problems that liverpool have had have been exacerbated by injuries and covid like van dyke doesn't play we know what difference that makes and he's not yeah. playing because he's had covid so that is a fact like they have had it difficult and City yeah. haven't had it to the same level, but this is what I'm saying. They have had. They have now. had it. Yeah, they have. They have had it, and you know all the stuff about. Is there just on the COVID thing, Sam? Is there is there a reason oh, that? So boring, um, I, I, I know. I just. I, I just. I want to. I want to see if we can understand. Does City have cases and not publicise them for basically players' privacy? I think so, but like Guardiola just broke ranks yesterday, didn't he? And he was like, "There, this is COVID. That's COVID. That's COVID." Because like he said the other week about Walker, he was like, it's a fitness issue and that's all I can say. And it was like, right. I mean, and I knew it wasn't, but fine. If that's all he was going to say, then like if, like if he was saying, like if this was like a disciplinary thing, then I, and I knew, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't really mind saying it. But if I was like, it's not really my place to say, oh, Carl Walker's got COVID everyone. But now Pep said it, fine. Yeah. But yeah, so it, I think it was just the case that City, for whatever reason this month, weren't just weren't commenting on it. So again, that, that kind of ties into it. Um, so, yeah, so what I was saying was, yeah, so Liverpool and Chelsea have been affected by it. City have been affected by it too. Um, they've got a better squad. I'm not saying bigger because it's not bigger. We know it's not bigger. Um, they have got a better squad. It's I don't know if it's partly because it's managed better or partly because they've just got better players. But they have been able to um, to mitigate those external influences that they have had but it, the point the point is again they've not been worse off but they've not had it easy so there was all that talk about oh City played Leicester when you know they were injury ravaged or whatever and like Leeds as well but everyone's played Leeds when they're injury ravaged Arsenal played them when they're injury ravaged Arsenal played Norwich when they were injury ravaged and then Arsenal's game against Wolves was called off in the midweek while City still had to go and play Brentford and, you know, travel back late. And I'm like, again, no, I'm not saying get the violins out, but if you get back to Manchester at like, I don't know, one in the morning or whatever, you go home, you get back to your home at half, half one, two. You wake up Thursday morning, whatever, you do your recovery session. I was speaking to Alex Bruce at the Leicester game and he was talking about the teams generally after playing, having to play, you know, 48 hours after the other game. He was like, it's for 48 hours. It's the second day when you're really knackered. And obviously yeah. the, the second day is now 
so he didn't have it within 48 hours but that was when they were going okay we're flying down to london again so all these things while arsenal had their games off like and again i don't i didn't want this to look like a tribal thing and it's not a tribal thing i'm not saying well arsenal had all these advantages but i mean the fact of the matter is arsenal were playing really well um they played leeds and they played norwich who were also depleted then they had their midweek game off while city played and city have had covid as well more covid cases than arsenal but like that's not factored anywhere near the discourse of the match. Yeah, that's all relevant, and I'm not saying oh well, Arsenal should have won because they were all, like that. It's just these are facts, and it's also a fact that City have got better players and City have got a better manager and they're more established. But these are all factors that go into the game. You know, the fact that you've got better players might not mean quite so much when. They're tired because of whatever else. And I know you're not allowed to mention tired if you're expensive, but sorry, <laughs> expensive players still get tired. And I know like expensive squads, you, you can rotate the players out and that's how City have done well over Christmas. Yeah. But when, you know, four or five are out with COVID, you've got fewer opportunities to do that. So the thing is, I'd like to think everyone listening to this kind of it, it, um, understands that. So I've probably laboured the point too much, but it just seems like... It, it's good now. It's good that Guardiola mentioned all the COVID cases and it's all yeah. out in the air now. Because, like I say, it's not like loads of players have been out, but enough players have been out for it to have some effect. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I was going to handbrake turn it because um, yeah. I think the, the craziness of, of, of the incidents in the Arsenal game made something go a little bit under the radar. Um, and that is just very simply how much of a fucking ridiculous match that Emmerich Laporte had. Um, and I'm yeah. not even sure if I mean it in a good shocked. or a bad he way anymore. Know, he, he, he was quite shocking, wasn't he? Um, like for all the reasons we've kind of mentioned before, but yeah. Like, but like, I was, mean, it was funny, wasn't it? This is the timeline. Um, so obviously under pressure for the start of the game, uh, not great on the opening goal court out of position and then, uh, gave basically gave Saka space to to uh, to shoot and score. Um, with yeah, City, I think that was yeah yeah I, th- that one. I thought he was a bit passive and he l- didn't look like he knew what was going on. But may- maybe he knew where Lacazette was and he was and okay. Well, I know he's here. Yeah. But then but then Lacazette blocked off Zinchenko and Saka came in and all of a sudden he was like, what the "Fuck's going on here?" But I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was just body language and, and he's suffering from the fact that he looks kind of languid, or maybe it was just he wasn't switched on enough. But I don't know. I feel like he had the Lacazette situation under control, and then it quickly changed. Yeah. But yeah, Still like, there was right. definitely a, there was there, look, the list you're about to read out <laughs> is, is, is quite is quite humorous considering he ended up 
basically getting the assist for the winner. Yeah, it goes, it goes on a journey because then uh, with City producing some very decent possession just after half time and looking for an opening and looking like they were getting a handle on the game, uh, he just randomly takes on a shot from 30 yards, something that he, he he's still yet to score doing that and seems to do it like once every other game or so. Um, it then goes to 1 1, uh, and seconds, like seconds after it's gone to 1 1, Arsenal just kind of pop it into the air towards the City box. Um, and he, sl- he, he slows down, almost pointing for Edison to come and get it. And then as soon as Edison makes his move, heads it over him, needing Ake to, to clear off the line. Yeah. And I'm, not, I'm, I'm still not, having watched that about 10 or 15 times, I'm still not sure if that's Edison's fault or Laporte's fault, but somebody's not. Somebody's yeah, done something know wrong there. It's one of those purely inexplicable things where I'm sure. Laporte's brain was working at a rate and like what he decided to do was already in motion by the time he realised it was too late or something yeah. like that. But it's one of those you look at and you just think, were you trying to score? <laughs> like it was it was that mad. Like that yeah. was the most the most the most obvious explanation of that was he's trying to score an own goal, which obviously wasn't the case. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay, brilliant clearance off the line anyway. Um, yeah. And then as Arsenal were chasing City down, he gave Edison such a short and very casual back pass that, that Lacazette almost stole it. Um, Edison, I think, came off his line, slid and did, did that kind of slide clearance that keepers do and booted it away. Um, and then for absolutely yeah. no reason at all, he's next to Rodri in the box to assist the winning goal in the 93rd yeah. minute. Like, like, just make sense of that. <laughs> well, yeah, in terms of making sense of the whole game it's just again it's like what Guardiola said you know sometimes you can talk about this that but it's football isn't it and like how many times we talk about player ratings or whatever a player scores a goal or like a goalkeeper concedes a goal but does everything else perfectly and it's like yeah 6 out of 10 like what <laughs> or like it's like somebody scores and they're like 8 out of 10 it's like well they're shit and it was a, like Laporte was poor yesterday but obviously you can't really explain those events because they were they were poor in the sense that maybe it was poor because like they were just like four or five things where you just think, what what are you doing today? And it, it was one of those where, and I thought this about the whole game, but for a lot of the game, even when I saw that 10 men, I was like, and I may be wrong, maybe fans were thinking, oh, we could nick this. But I was thinking, if City get out of this with 1-1, I think they'd be very happy. Yeah. Even with 10 men, because it was just mad, wasn't it? And I remember thinking, Laporte just needs this game to end. You know when teams need to get to half time, I was like, Guardiola's not going to bring him off. Like even if Stones was on the bench, I don't think he'd have brought him off. But it's one of those where Laporte just needs to get to the end of this match and not cause not, any more yeah, damage. Yeah. It was just like it was just a very strange kind of display. A bit like Edison at Newcastle. You know, just like basically everything, apart from that save at the end, which was good. Basically everything he did was mad and didn't work. And it was like just calm down. But he didn't <laughs> calm down in the whole game. But I mean, in terms of like make sense of him being up there, it was the perfect positional play thing you know everyone in the team knows where they need to be and occupy roles even from like when a set piece breaks down and this goes back to the level of detail that Guardiola like kind of demands so when when Gundogan goes back because he's not such an aerial threat so I think he was like lurking on the edge of the box and obviously when Arsenal clear it he runs back so he's the deepest one and because Gundogan when he came on was always the one in the box I'm thinking Laporte was going okay well he's back there he's doing my job I need to do his and then like same for Rodri. Like I, I remember seeing on TV that space develop, and I was thinking De Bruyne is going to put this ball in over the top, and but it was Rodri who burst onto that. So I mean, <laughs> I'm guessing he's not affected by COVID in a way that you know he's knackered after games because yeah. he only came back to training like two days before the match. So I'm presuming if there was any major like fitness issue there, then he wouldn't be making know, that run. Yeah, yeah exactly. He, he, well, not so much making the run. He probably wouldn't have been on the pitch, but there might have been some kind of element but even if so he's not played for a week or so he's not been able to train properly even if he was able to like train at home he's not been able to you know be with his be with his mates on the training pitch or whatever it's the 93rd minute 
he would have been knackered as well because I know Arsenal fans were pissed off that he didn't get a booking. Well, booking for the fouls, he got booked for taking the shot off, didn't he? Which like re- would have really thoroughly pissed them <laughs> off. And I, I can just, I can understand why why they were annoyed he didn't get booked for the fouls. To be fair, just purely on a on a tight enough basis, it would have been nobody. I don't think any City fan would have complained if he'd have been booked for one of the fouls where he just kind of ran into them. But it didn't happen for whatever reason. So, but I mean, he was in a difficult game. He was doing a lot of chasing, which we know isn't necessarily his game. The mental pressure of you know when he gets the ball, he was under a lot of pressure. It was a difficult game. But then he was like, okay, well, there's a space there. I'm gonna have to run into it because I know De Bruyne is gonna do this. And like, like this is what I mean. But I, I wonder if that mental pressure is the reason why Laporte was making different decisions. Because, like we said at, right at the start of the show, everything that City were doing in defence, yeah, yeah, they were yeah. under pressure all the time. So I just yeah, wonder yeah, if, yeah. if that header is, is effectively, oh, Christ, I've got to get this back to, to Edison. Um, yeah. You know, and, and the point in well, might actually I mean, be, stay back, stay back, I'm going to head this. Yeah, and like, why did... did well, You know when we did those unpopular opinions of the week, did we talk about the Stones clearance? Because I remember somebody either DMing me or tweeting me saying... yeah. In terms of unpopular opinions, the Stones' clearance against Liverpool is overrated because he fucked yeah, up we in did the first it. place. Yeah, we yeah, did. Yeah, okay. And it's like, I get that. And again, you talk about that mental pressure. You know, that was, do not concede a goal here at any cost, wasn't it, against Liverpool? It was, do not concede this goal. So both Stones and Edison were both on, like, full alert and probably not as calm as they should be or normally are. And it led to that kind of collision where the ball nearly went over the line obviously he recovered really well it was probably the same thing you're right and again it goes back to when City are in the final third and maybe they have not necessarily beaten the press but they've got up into a good position on the pitch and then they just give the ball away it's the same thing I remember my colleague saying at the start of the season when City lost at Spurs I know they're tired and stuff but they're just making really bad decisions I was like well no like they're making they're making bad decisions because they're tired obviously (laughs) those things they obviously go hand in hand and I, yeah, that, I think that that was the case yesterday, and it was probably probably the case with Laporte. But then that that shot from outside the box. The thing about that was, Diaz was in the same position about fifteen seconds earlier on the right, and it was like it was like the company thing against Leicester, but obviously without the need. And you just think there is a shot on there, but don't fucking do it. And he didn't. He played it out wide. Yeah. And you think, ah, oh, good. And it's City is only in good position here, and they knocked it around, knocked it around patiently, and then he got to Laporte. And it's like, don't, don't. Like this is the first time in the game that City are on top. Don't and it's and it wasn't even like I don't even think he like put a lot of power behind it. It kind of just floated over the bar. I was like, oh, what are you doing, mate? Um, but yeah, to kind of have that awareness to to be to stay forward, knowing that because you know you can stay forward, but you can put your team under pressure. Yeah, it might have been the wrong decision to stay forward, but it was the right decision to stay forward. Um, and when they showed the replay, and I was like, oh my god, imagine it's offside. Like imagine it's offside. It'll be up there with the with the Spurs one in the Champions League if this is offside. Um, but obviously they they cleared that up nice and quickly, and Martin Keane was very happy about it. But <laughs> I, I mean, I know I know a lot of people just generally dislike BT Sport because of the pundits and the commentators or whatever. And I know along among the City base, if you were to do a, a straw poll of the City fan base, I'm pretty sure BT would come out with a very unfavorable review. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't. If if I'm watching a, a game on BT, I won't really stick around for any of the punditry and the commentary quite often regularly annoys me to be fair but it's like okay yeah fine and, and maybe this is me being like irritable or whatever you know because sometimes I know when I'm being when I'm pissed off it's probably my fault um, but yesterday it was just absolutely unbearable wasn't it I know we've talked about the maddest things in this game I'm not even I'm not even sure it's a good job people have seen the game actually because yeah. we're you know, on kind of such specific things and I, I guess there'll be a lot of people listening to this in the States 
Um, but fuck who, me, lads. who don't have that context? Yeah. Oh, the. But I mean, I'm sure they. I'm sure they guess. Cause I guess a lot of City fans in the states, if, if they sign up to the Athletic, keeping up to date with City via, you know, Twitter as well, and the beat. It was. It was just terrible. Like, and it was nice actually because again, this is a reference that are not not a lot of people will get because probably haven't seen it, especially even people in England. Um, but match of the day cleared it up really well. Yeah. Like, if yeah. you watch match of the day, you just think, oh, okay. If you actually understood VAR and how it works, and I know it's mad, I I, I dislike VAR. I still I'm a bit yadar about it. I would get rid of it. But like you've got to kind of understand how it works, and I know it's not always possible. But I did think yesterday. I know you said right at the start we're not going to talk about it, so we won't. But I did think yesterday were two of the more obvious ones. Like there wasn't a definitive way to overrule the ref on the first one. If he'd have given the penalty, the, the, pen, the penalty probably would have stood. Yeah, yeah, but he didn't. So they didn't overrule it. And then that's why he didn't go to the monitor because there was no evidence for him to go and have a look at. Whereas presumably he missed a shirt pull. And Keown said, oh, uh, he goes, I think he said, if this was the first time I heard the advice from VAR because commentators can hear the decision, the conversations at Stotley Park. So he could hear that apparently for the first time. And he said, they'd advise the referee that there was a shirt pull. Well, fucking case closed then. Shirt yeah. pull's a foul. <laughs> and again, how many times? And again, this is a danger of like generalizing pundits and commentators or things they say, and let's say, for example, things I say when we haven't necessarily said them. But generally in football, how often when a player gets fouled but doesn't go down, we always say, well, that's why players need to go down. And the obvious example from this, well, last year, was remember Foden against Southampton when he went around the goalkeeper, got clattered, stayed up, didn't get a pen, and it was genuinely mental. And everyone was saying he should have gone down. Like Surely, like genuinely, everybody was saying it should have gone down um, to get the penalty. That's what Bernardo did yesterday. Because, like, the contact hip-to-hip was might, may have been enough, but I think that that wouldn't have been a penalty. They, they would have looked at the MVAR, but I don't think they'd have given it. But the shirt pull is a foul. And I think if he hadn't have gone down, even on VAR, they may not have given it. So he, he did go down easily. I know you said, like, it was a dive and it was a foul. And... That's probably the best way of summing it up. Yeah, um, I'm, 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 I'm a little bit worried that we're skirting close to what we said we wouldn't do. So I'm, uh, I'm going to move us on, Sam, and uh, and just finish this week with. Uh, know, obviously, know, we, yeah. we we didn't talk about Leicester and Brentford. Um, just a, a kind of a quick Brentford word was a great for, win. Brentford yeah, was a great win. I was going to say because, a quick word on the Brentford game because um, yeah. that that was that for me was. Um, what I, I again, I watched that one at home. I'd just come in from work. It was a real, real tense game. And I thought yep. Brentford gave City a, a, a really, really good test without actually threatening too much, if that makes sense. And I thought City did yeah, well yeah. to get out there with a with a narrow win and a, and a clean sheet. Yeah, it's that element of danger. You think, oh God, there's always there's always a chance that they're gonna they're gonna score here, but without actual evidence of clear cut chances. But it's only after the game you can really appreciate that because it's still the case that it only takes one counter attack, doesn't it? Uh, and it's um, a, or yeah. somebody to slip or some, just something to yeah, happen. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But a lot, just a set piece, and you know Guardiola said Guardiola said they're the best team at set pieces in in the Premier League, and they've got a great record and they're very creative, and even from throw-ins and stuff. But like again, it, it's a bit like that Leicester thing of no tackles. People still don't fully understand him, and I obviously don't fully understand him. But obviously, it's been my job for five or six years to understand him. So like, I'd like to think I've got some idea, even though you know it's never going to be full. But the way they played the other night. And people were saying, I'll oh, bring on a sub. But even I was like, and I was sitting next to Jay, our Brentford guy. And when they were like, when City were like trying to trying to kill a ball or like somebody was trying to do a dribble, I was like, what are you doing? Just keep the ball. Like, It's obvious now that what you need to do to see this game out is keep the ball. And so I tweeted about Grealish and everyone said, he. well, a lot of people said he was shit. 
And I was like, well, maybe, maybe he has been shit. And maybe Guardiola hasn't wanted him to do this. But what he's doing... Is exactly what City needs, yeah. Yeah, but what he's doing, and maybe he is ineffective. And maybe over and over the course of his career at City, if he plays like that, it'll be a massive flop. But that's like, there's it's horses for courses. You play a game. You play the game that's in front of you. City couldn't play that game like they were playing Leeds because it would have been way too open. And Guardiola said after the game, we played in this stadium against this team exactly how he had to do it. So everyone's looking at City going, oh, well, that that wasn't great. And there were there were elements to it that were sloppy. And I thought it was sloppy. But they they did do what they needed to do. They needed to kill it. And do you remember when they played? It was very similar to when they played Bournemouth in the 2018-19 run-in. Do you remember in March? Uh, yeah, Mahrez. One of, the more for, one of the more... Yes. One of the more forgettable games of that season. But it was, it was at that time when City... Probably was a couple of weeks after it was like, okay, well, we can't lose any more games now. And it was one of the first games where Guardiola just went, well, however however we do this, whatever happens, we are not letting them do anything. We are shutting it down. Basically how they got to the Champions League final. And they did it against Bournemouth. And Bournemouth didn't have a single shot, didn't have a shot off target. They didn't have a corner. I mean, I don't know how many touches they had in the box, but they had nothing. And that was basically what City tried to do against Brentford. And in the first half... Brentford had a bit more of it, didn't they? Because City were giving away the ball quite often and they were running up and down. And that's where that sense of something's going to go wrong here comes from. But if you look at the second half, City controlled it much, much better. Um, and it was one of those where people might look at it, whether you're a City fan or a neutral, and go, oh, well, they weren't great there. or oh, what." But that was the game. They, they didn't want to try and win that game 4-0. They wanted to keep it tight and nick it. And that's what they did. Yeah. Um, and the thing against Le- Leicester, the only thing I can think of as a talking point that maybe people want to hear about the Leicester game beyond how excellent City were in the first half and how good Sterling was in particular. Because um, there was a couple of things on the Q and A about oh, does this you know is this a problem with problems with the counter attacks and Fernandinho etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and obviously now Rodri's back now and hopefully for City's sake he stays fit for the rest of the season because you know there is a bit of a drop off there, but. Leicester changed at half-time to a much more difficult system to attack. and But I, I think the, probably the biggest thing was, obviously, Leicester's tactical change. But City were like, well, we're 4-0 up. We've just done this against Leeds, and the second half was even easier than the first. So they probably weren't mentally switched on. And obviously, they've conceded three goals, and I'm not saying that's not like a cause for concern in that game. And you think, all right. But I'm not going to start worrying too much about the Champions League because... It's about focus. And at 4 0 up at half time against a depleted Leicester team, having played so well, City are probably thinking, well, this will be a piece of piss. And all of a sudden, when Leicester was scoring goals and City were trying to attack in the same way as the first half, but Leicester were, de- were defending really well and there was no op- opportunity to do that. So City were rushing and they were trying to put the ball forward quicker and therefore they were losing it and causing more problems on the counter attack. That's where it came from. But yeah. if Leicester would have started the game playing that way, I don't think City would have been stupid enough to keep attacking and spamming balls forward and and panicked like they did in the second half. They would have approached it like they do when every team kind of parks the bus or sits compact or mid-block or whatever yeah. it is. Patience. And they keep that focus. So they, I think they would have been patient. So as much as, if there's a talking point from the Leicester game beyond City being really good, it's, oh, they can see the three goals, what's all that about? But I think we've seen in that game, in games before and in games since, it's not, I don't think, indicative of what's going to happen this season yeah um and we've just like yeah we've seen them be very consistent we've seen them have better results than everyone else they are better than everyone else they might win the league but 
yeah, I don't know. You you can draw your own conclusions. Yeah, really. Let's, like, uh, is it is it bad for the league? Are City just better than everyone else? Like, f- people like this. It's one of those things that's just going to go on forever. But you know my opinions on it, basically. Um, let's let's finish a lot. Yeah, let's finish with uh, one other question because uh, obviously the January transfer window is open now. Very simply, oh, right. do you do you do you expect any business this window, or are they more likely to, uh, other than Torres, no. obviously to, to Barcelona, or are they more likely to, to focus on the summer? Yeah, I think so. Um, it, that that seems to be the case. Obviously, Guardiola said there won't be a striker. Um, I don't, I don't think they're going to. It's one of those things where they don't normally do it, but they would if the right option came up. But yeah. it doesn't seem like the right option is going to come up. But I must say, like I've not been. I've not been fully across it. I've not had somebody I really trust say, look, there's going to be no buys. So if they did sign somebody in two weeks, that, you know, it, it's, it's certainly possible because I've not had somebody say, forget it, it's not happening. But the kind, the vibe is, yeah, don't get your ups up, basically. So the situation with the striker is, um, they still like Kane, but obviously just not, he's just not for sale this, this, this winter at all. Like, forget it. And also, Long term with that, and obviously think a lot of things can change, but he was desperate to leave in the summer, but didn't really do enough to force it through and handled it terribly, didn't he? And now he's not really desperate to leave because he's happy with Conte. So I kind of think, well, if you couldn't do it then, are you going to be able to do it now? Um, and they want to be, City do like Haaland, and they want to sign him, um, but they know it's going to be difficult. And all that talk about um, you know, Madrid and stuff, it does seem that Madrid are in the driving seat at the moment. But obviously... Like I would say, if City were in the driving seat for somebody, how many times has City been in the driving seat and not got up? You know, it's happened yeah. with De Jong and whoever. Um, so there's there is time for that to change, but that's the situation as it is now. And La Haaland's just not available in January. But they they do desperately want a striker. Like as much as they're great now, and I think I talked about this before, but as much as they're great now, and it's tempting to think Guardiola might think, oh, actually, this is better. We've got more control, and we're still scoring those goals, so we'll do it. But no, they, they do still want one, but it's not going to be January. And then I would imagine a holding midfielder as well. But I mean, those com- I've not had those conversations yet. I'm sure City have. Um, and I'd be very interested to see. Imagine they signed Declan Rice for 100 million and a striker <laughs> for a, for anywhere between 70 and 150 after signing Grealish for 100 million. I mean, there, there's no point in swimming against a tide anymore than is there. That tide is, <laughs> is, dra- that tide is dragging you away. You can swim as hard as, as you want. Again. Yeah, swim as hard as you want. You ain't getting anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's the end of this week's Why Always Us. Thanks as ever to Sam Lee. Thanks for sticking with us. I mean, that was a lot of ramble, wasn't it? I'm going to blame the COVID. Um, but yeah, thank you. Happy New Year. Um, so, so happy. That was a, that was almost a Guardiola-esque lean in there, Sam. So uh, so good so good job, well done. Um, don't forget as well, you can sign up to the Athletic right now with a thirty three percent discount. You can just use the code Man City Pod. The Athletic.